The attitude of most people in advertising and in design studios today is, I don't see people who are happy or passionate or who are excited about what they're doing. Everybody seems to be so careful about what they do. I just don't see the right attitude about their work. They're exciting, terrific young people, and they are thrilled when they hear me speak. But they're kind of flabbergasted that anybody is out there that has gotten away with doing great work all his life. Because I have the courage and the talent to do it. Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. That was a quotation there from the great art director, creative mind, influence, mentor, George Lois. That's L-O-I-S. If you're not aware of his work, his name, check him out. His work with imagery, with photography, particularly with Esquire magazine, was revolutionary. It was life-changing for so many creatives. And we sadly lost him over the last couple of weeks, as we seem to be losing a lot of people this year, a lot of the great icons of the past. I suppose, really, what we've got this week is a cornucopia of little bits of stuff, little observations uh, that I've made over the last week or so. You can probably tell that my voice is a little bit different this week as well. Whereas on last week, I was hit by the gremlins of the Internet of Broadband. Uh, apologies for that. But this week, it seems to be that uh, the old cold, flu, COVID, who knows, seems to be attacking me. But I'm okay. I just may sound a little strange. Anyway, time to move on. Friend of the show and photographer Chris Floyd uh, tweeted the other day something, a week or so ago now, which uh, sort of caught my interest. Chris said this, Although retoucher Daniel Mayritt's concept is rather amusing, it's a great shame he didn't ask my permission before appropriating my work and presumably the work of others. I could have given him a better quality file with which to work. Well, what was Chris Chris responding to? Well, a couple of images, uh, one which uh, Chris had taken of uh, Boris Johnson with a group of children, and then a photograph which uh, Daniel Mayritt has, uh, as Chris quite rightly says, appropriated, and put a picture of himself instead of Johnson. Chris was responding to a tweet from the British Journal of Photography, which said this. Daniel Mayritt emulates the visual language used by right-wing politicians to control and manipulate, questioning this most elusive of subjects in a place where art meets reality. Well, I thought it was quite interesting. Chris was particularly polite in his response because it was very obvious that what Mayrit had done was taken one of Chris's pictures without his permission, changed it, not made it any stronger, I have to be honest, and BJP had bought into the idea of this as being legitimate art. Well, I don't think it's legitimate art. I think it's legitimate inappropriateness, taking somebody else's work and using it to try and build your own career. As I said, I think Chris was polit politically correct, and I think he was also extremely polite. However, 
I'm going to put to you how you would have responded. I don't think I would have been as polite as Chris. I started off this episode uh, talking about somebody who'd passed one of the great uh, names in photography and somebody else uh, actually died who I wanted to just kind of recognise in this episode um, at the beginning of October, actually. So this is a little bit late, but that's Alan Porter, who was the editor of the magazine Camera from 1965 to 1981, a hugely influential uh, magazine and a very interesting magazine in that it was funded uh, through a Swiss uh, printing company. So it was always beautifully printed. Anyway, as I said, Alan died uh, at the... uh beginning of October at the age of 88. And he'd been hidden away since the 1960s uh, in a small Swiss-German town where the magazine was based and where he lived. And, And in a sense, I suppose, he'd been completely forgotten about by the photography community for, I suppose, really 30 odd years. Although he had been resurrected in an exhibition celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Recontra d'Al in 2021. And I think what's really important here about Alan, and I I came across Alan primarily through my research of Bill, is that so often these people, the editors, the photo editors, the art directors, the people who commission work, they are so important in promoting photographers and photography And in a sense, the people responsible for who we see and what we see. And so often, I think it is the case that these people get forgotten about by the photographers themselves. As their careers progress, the people who maybe gave them that, that leg up, that little help at the beginning, get forgotten about. Well, I certainly don't forget about people like that, I suppose, in a sense, because I'm one of them. But anyway, I'd like to raise a glass to uh, Alan and thank him for all the work he did. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to him in just under five minutes, Kieran Dodds. Kieran was born in 1980 and describes himself as a non-fiction photographer. After studying zoology at university, he trained at the Herald Newspaper Group in Glasgow, picking up national and international awards. His first self-assigned story, The Bats of Kasanka, received first prize in the World Press Photo Awards and a Winston Churchill Travel Fellowship then allowed him to document Tibetan culture in flux. As pastoral nomads were resettled in Highland China, resulting in the body of work titled The Third Pole. On his return home, Dodds focused on political upheaval, using the landscape to consider depictions and realities of Scottish identity through the centuries to create Land of Scots. Most recently, he has been exploring the major role of spiritual beliefs in the global conservation movement funded by the Royal Photographic Society Environmental Bursary. His first book, Gingers, was published in 2020, and his work is featured in the New York Times, Geo, Financial Times, La Repubblica die Zeit, Wall Street Journal, News Scientist, Sunday Times Magazine, and National Geographic, amongst others. He lives in Edinburgh with his wife, Kaz, and two daughters, Ada and Isabel. He's also represented by Panos Pictures in London. Over to you, Kieran. 
My name is Kieran Dodds and I'm a photographer based in Edinburgh in Scotland. Over the past two decades, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world working for newspapers and magazines, for NGOs, and more recently for museums and galleries, covering stories about the environment, and in particular, our relationship with the environment. So I can testify to the privileges and also the challenges there are making a living from photography. Yet most weeks, my heart can sink when I see the deluge of photographs flooding my screens. New, exciting work of amazing things, but I still feel a bit despondent. I think, why bother? A lifetime's work will just be a drop in this vast digital ocean. I often think of the work by Dutch artist Eric Kessels, where he printed out 24 hours of uploads to Flickr. The resulting mountain lingers in your mind. And when I'm taking images, I think, am I just adding to that huge pile of trash? The volume overwhelms me. And even since I've been speaking, more photographs have been taken around the world than in the entire 19th century. But thankfully, these dark thoughts don't stay for long. And clearly there are reasons I've kept going over the past 20 years. From the joy of a front page, to a portrait subject who opens your mind to new ideas, or the invitation to go on a far-flung expedition with the excuse of taking photographs. And not to mention the simple joy of just being able to pay your bills. But what I want to talk about briefly is the deeper conviction that photography's genius as a medium or an art form or as a language or as a tool, whatever photography is, is that it takes us out beyond ourselves and our times. Because photography, although a medium of light, is also one of time. We're able to create slices of time. Photography can take us beyond ourselves into the world in a psychological sense to look beyond this internal angst of what's the point and participate in the life we're missing out on right in front of us. Or it can be experiential when we witness someone's photograph that moves us to wonder or anger and for a moment we leave our world and move into their slice of space and time before dropping back into the same old shoes with a new vision. The most meaningful moments as a photographer, for me, appear in my mind's eye bathed in this timeless golden light, like a moment of eternity, like a childhood summer. This time, I'm standing though in a landscape with my cameras around my neck, not thinking about them, but looking and observing and just being. The cameras become an extension of my mind. Like the time I stood under the Arctic cliffs as the sun set on a week-long Greenlandic soccer tournament and we walked back with the team for some reindeer stew. Or with armed guards leading the way, we climbed through protected canopies in Kasanka National Park to witness an African sunrise through the wings of eight million fruit bats returning home to roost. Or the moment, stressed and exhausted, when I pulled out my phone to mark the reuniting of my Premi twins, finally reunited after time in intensive care. For me, by the magic of photography, each moment has grown and expanded when I remember it. I'm taken out of my times and I relive the past in a real way. Photographs expand our perception of time itself as we look and we remember, which is why my childhood days probably seem so ingrained and so long, because I relive them year after year in the albums. And that is what photography means. A photograph can take us out of the limits and constraints of our lives, to play it being timeless, to reimagine what was and what will be. Rather than thinking about capturing a moment, photography can liberate a moment for all time. 
And when we go beyond ourselves, we discover something remarkable. Muriel Riqueza put it this way. She wrote, The universe is made of stories and not of atoms. The very fabric of the universe is story or narrative. The sheer volume of photographs being made should make us wonder. And it's a testament not only to the near infinite capacity for stories in the universe, but also the infinite curiosity of human beings to try and understand what it is that makes life. I started out with ambitions to be a BBC wildlife filmmaker, but I got stuck on stills because they have an ability not just to communicate information or feelings, but to freeze time and also expand it. And because photography is so universal and ubiquitous, I can easily forget that magic. So what does photography mean to me? Photography for me, as it appears to be for the vast majority of phone-wielding humans, becomes an extension of our brains. But while phones may cause us to bend forward and curl in on ourselves, a camera takes us outward and upward and beyond ourselves into the life we're missing right in front of our eyes. Thank you, Kieran, for your contribution this week. So eloquent. It makes me feel as if I want to storm the barricades and uh, get up and start the fight, maybe start a movement. Um, As always, if you're not aware of Kieran's work, check it out. The website is, of course, on the United Nations of Photography.com website where this podcast is posted. So why not jump over there? We quite often also put little extras, particularly to the Bill Shapiro and I conversations. So you may be listening to this on Spotify or Google uh, Podcasts or maybe Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Um, You won't get the full experience unless you head over to unitednationsofphotography.com. Some time ago now, I uh, became aware of a a set of of baseball cards, really, I suppose, which had been created, I think, in the uh, perhaps kind of mid-1970s. And each baseball card was an an American photographer, and it gave some information about that photographer. And you could buy them as a set. And actually, I've looked into it, but then I I kind of thought, well, what am I going to do with those? Anyway, um, therefore, I was kind of interesting when I saw a tweet recently by the photographer Mark power. And uh, it said this, it's enormously flattering to be included in the Snap Trumps playing cards soon to be published by Satanta Books. Well, it seemed to me that this was kind of like a a modern update on those ones, those baseball cards that I'd seen. And I'm sure a lot of you um, have played Top Trumps as kids or whatever. I know when I was a child, I used to play um, with football cards. You'd get them with bubble gum and stuff. And uh, actually, we never really swapped them. We used to put them up against uh, the wall and flick other cards at them. And if you knock them down, you got to keep them. But maybe that says more about my South London uh, education than uh, anything else. Anyway, back to these new cards. So, what kind of, I suppose, intrigued me about it is there's a, a picture, a kind of an illustration photograph of Mark, and it says Mark Powell. And I'm sure there are other photographers included in this set. And it has a series of facts um, about Mark on it. And it starts out with Instagram followers, 58,000, years active, 36, staged factor, 2, selfie factor, 1, published books, 13. And then there's a a little short kind of 
biog there of Mark on the card as well. Well, I mean, it's all fine. It's all great and what have you. And I'm sure that people will buy them. Maybe they'll keep them as collectibles. Maybe they'll frame them. I don't know. Well, I suppose I thought was slightly strange about it was this idea that the importance of the photographer, of Mark, somebody who's extremely well-respected, a member of Magnum and so forth, started out with his Instagram following, which, let's be honest, Instagram closes, it becomes zero. And if it continues and Mark continues on Instagram, it will increase. I don't know. I just felt that perhaps Mark's achievements, his work, his life was worth more than a few numbers attached to sort of arbitrary uh, kind of statements, really. I don't know what you think. Maybe you'd like to let me know. I spoke earlier in the episode about um, the work of Alan Porter. I should say, actually, whilst we're at it, you spell Alan, A-double-L-A-N. So if you're looking out for him, that's who you need to look out for. But anyway, there are some words um, that Alan said that I wanted to share with you at the end of this episode. Uh, They're these All those photographers remember me, said Porter in 2013, but they never mention my name. Instead, they talk about the genesis of their work, their rise to fame, always in the first person. It's like the relationship between a psychoanalyst and a patient. Editors like me know too much about them. They want to forget about their father figures. I think that's a particularly relevant place to end at the end of this particular episode. It's so important, in my opinion, that we all share in each other's successes, that we all encourage each other to do well. But perhaps most importantly, that we recognise those people who give us that break, give us that chance, give us that support. None of us achieve anything just on our own. And photography is a far more collaborative medium than I think a lot of people, photographers, actually are willing to accept, admit or allow. It can be quite selfish just looking through with one eye through the uh, viewfinder of a camera. It can be quite selfish to frame and make that photograph, to then claim that photograph as your vision, and then to put that out into the world. But as we all know, we're surrounded by people who help us, support us, and encourage us. When I've commissioned photographers, I've never done it because I want praise. I don't think any of us should really do anything for that reason. Just sometimes it's nice to get some recognition. Anyway, at the end of every episode, I say the same words. Take care.